Good morning. How we doing? Y'all doing good? You have a good week? Who had the best week in the room? Let me hear you shout if you think you did. I had a pretty good week. The absence in some people's shouts. Yeah, that, that, I'm sorry. I hope next week you're the loudest person to shout if that was to happen again. As Kelly said, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the senior associate pastors here. It's great to be with you. It's great to be sharing this morning. I'm excited. God's good. Isn't he good? All the time. All the time. God is good. Let's pray. (sighs) Holy Spirit, we thank you that that is the truth, that you're good. That you're good and you do good and you love us. You model goodness to us perfect goodness. And Father, we're so grateful for you. We're so grateful for for you for sending your son, Jesus, to come and bring us that treasured, beautiful gift of salvation. And Father, this morning, I ask that you would open our ears, you would open our hearts, you would open our minds to what you want to say, God, that we would not just be bystanders to the word, but we would be hearers and doers of the word. Father, I ask that you would come and you would challenge us this morning. (laughs) Would you speak to us this morning as we were praying in the first service? I I just felt the Lord say, what if your breakthrough is right around the corner? And I just want to challenge us in this moment of prayer. Have we come expectant this morning? Have we come expectant? What if your breakthrough is just around the corner? So Jesus, we position ourselves. We position our lives We surrender completely to you this morning and we say, do what you want to do. We are yours. We're your vessels. Would you pour yourself out anew, afresh this morning? Hey. Come on, just real quick before we end, just say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you for me. Good morning, Holy Spirit. If you haven't yet told them that, good morning. Ah, Amen, amen, amen. That feels good. Well, this morning, I have the joy and the privilege of being with y'all and, and sharing. And as I was preparing for this, this moment, as, as, as I was preparing for this morning, over the last few weeks, I've just been asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want me to speak on? And it was Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, I was opening the fridge. I was getting something to eat. I don't remember what. I remember I was probably hungry. Any foodies in the room like me love food? Ooh, thank you, Jesus. This is a side note, but how many think sometimes you ought to pray after the first bite? It's nothing to do with my message, but I'm just saying if the food is that good, it makes you praise. Like you take a bite of something, you're like, oh, Jesus, you are alive. I worship you. I thank you. This is so good. This nourishment. Um, I guess you might not be as grateful if the food's bad, but... We give thanks no matter what. So this morning, I'm getting some food out of the fridge, or sorry, on Tuesday morning, and I felt the Lord say, forgiveness. So we're going to go for it this morning. We're going to go after forgiveness. Interestingly enough, over the last few years, the Lord has been reminding, kind of taking us on a journey of the simplicity, yet beautiful, fundamental peace that forgiveness plays in the gospel message. I mean, it's central to what Jesus did on the cross, the great forgiveness that we received by Jesus coming and giving his life on the cross, that our lives were deserving 
of death. We were deserving of punishment. We were deserving to be judged because of our sin. But the Lord looked at us that the son came and he paid the price for us on the cross so that we could live in eternity with Jesus. It's pivotal. It's fundamental. And over the last few years, as we've been leading the students at this church, we've been, my wife and I in the student ministry, I've been here for nine years as, as the youth pastor. And thanks, thanks. Um, thank you, thank you, families, families. Um, and time and time again, we'll be at youth camp, especially youth camp. There's something beautiful about going away and, and seeing kind of what God does. And these students will, these issues will begin to rise to the surface. And they'll come to us and they'll say, hey, can we chat? And so sure enough, we'll say, okay, let's find a time to chat. So maybe it's during worship or it's after the preach and we'll just sit down with them and we'll listen to their hearts. We'll hear them share what's going on in their lives. And time and time again, especially over the last couple of years that the Lord has just been reminding me of the power of forgiveness, the power of forgiveness, the power of forgiveness. Our students come up and they're sharing with us the issues they're facing. And we just say to them, hey, have you forgiven that person? Have you forgiven your parents? Have you forgiven yourself? And just kind of leading them through these prayers and seeing the transformation take place. Because forgiveness is one of those things that will absolutely change your life for the better. And equally, withholding forgiveness will ruin your life. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to jump down to verse 21. At this moment in time, Jesus and his disciples are in Capernaum, and Jesus is sharing stories, and his disciples are coming up to them and asking him questions, and Jesus is having this beautiful moment where he's, he's listening to their questions, he's responding, he's sharing stories and parables. They're asking who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, and the tax collectors from the temple tax are coming and talking to Jesus and asking, should we give taxes to Caesar? And so Jesus is in this beautiful moment of teaching. And in this moment down in verse 21, Peter comes up to him and says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Up to seven? And I like to think in this moment that Peter was like probably feeling pretty good about himself. He was like, bro, I got seven in me. He's looking at the other disciples. I mean, literally, they were just arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. He's looking over at Matthew. He's like, bro, you only got five in you. I got seven. And then everybody's looking at Judas like, you only got one. (laughs) Um, So Peter is saying, Lord, Lord, up to seven times I can do it. I can forgive somebody seven times. And I just think, do you ever think Jesus was just like lovingly eye-rolling, at least on the inside? I don't think exteriorly, but he's just like, guys, you're missing the point. And then what does it say? No, 70 times 7. And I don't think that Jesus meant that we're meant to walk around with a, with a journal, with a tally, and we have our spouse on there, we have our kids on there, we have some of y'all in the church up on there, you know what I'm saying? And... What, 490 times, and on that 491st time, it's like, mm, sorry, you're cut off. I got my tally. It's, I'm just letting you know, John, you're at 489. You got one more chance. You do me two more wrongs, and you're done. <laughs> no, Jesus is like, you're missing the point. 
You're missing the point. Freely you have received, freely give. And so he goes on and he shares this story. We're going to read it in verse 23 all the way down to, to verse 35. He shares this parable. Oop, losing pages. All good. He says, therefore, Jesus is speaking here, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. Love that. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but he went and he threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I love this. What a sobering, beautiful picture. I want to pull a couple things out of the scripture. Firstly, this man was judged for his hypocrisy. He came before this king with this large debt, a debt so large that he was about to lose the free will of not only his own life, but his children and his wife to pay back such a debt. And in this moment, as he falls down to his knees, as he begs this king, he says, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, give me more time. The king's heart is moved to compassion and the king has mercy on him. But what does this man do? Does he go? Does he allow this moment to change him? Does he allow this moment to transform his very being? No, he goes and he finds somebody who owes him money. And what does he do? He says, pay up. And if you can't pay up, go to prison. This man was judged for this, his behavior of hypocrisy. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus Chapter 4, verse 32 of Ephesians, and he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Matthew 10, 8 says, Freely you have received, freely give. You see, the measure of love that has been poured out to us is the measure of love that we are called to pour out to others. The measure of mercy that we have received is the measure of mercy we are called to give to one another. God is inviting us into this higher way of mercy to be like God and to extend forgiveness to the world around us. That's the invitation. Isn't that amazing? 
I think it was Billy Graham, he said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, it's God's job to judge, and it's our job to love. That's the invitation. You see, secondly, the thing I want to pull out of this is this man chose the way of justice rather than mercy. God was inviting him into the higher way. And in this hypocrisy, in this moment where he received such a great mercy, again, he didn't allow it to trans- transform him. He didn't allow it to go deep into his heart. But he could have. He could have lived by this higher calling, this higher way that Jesus was showing him, that the king was showing him to extend mercy to those around him. And because he chose to no longer live under the law of mercy and to move into the law of justice and judgment, he was once again judged and his free will and life were called upon and his children and his wife. Do we want to live by God's way of mercy or do we want to live by judgment? I remember when I the first time I experienced mercy, like, that I can really, really remember. I was in grade four. It's one of those kind of core memories in my heart. I don't even remember what I did wrong, but I just remember I did something. My family lived on the west coast of British Columbia at the time of Canada, and we lived halfway up a mountain, beautiful place, and I remember I was, like, so afraid of the consequence of what I'd done of my sin, probably getting a spanking, and... I, I went down the road that led up to our cul-de-sac, and I was just walking down this road. I was, I was practically like running away. And I just remember this moment. I was kind of walking on the side, not on the road, but on this hill beside the road, and I was walking down it away from home. And I remember my dad driving up, and he, he came to me, and he said, Aaron, Aaron, come here. And I came to him, and he basically said to me, Aaron, I'm, I'm going to show you mercy you're not gonna receive the consequence you deserve. And I just remember this moment and how much it shaped and transformed my life that I experienced. And that's the invitation for us that we have received such a great mercy, we get to extend mercy to those around us, the measure with which we have received his mercy and love. That is the calling, that is the invitation for us. You know, we're called to be his witnesses, not his judges called to tell about him to the world around us. Lastly, I want us to pull out this kind of sobering piece as Jesus is wrapping up this story. He says this line in verse 35, so my heavenly father will also do to each of you from his heart if you do not forgive your brother his trespasses. Earlier on in Matthew, Matthew 6, verse 14, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and at the end of teaching them to pray, and he talks about forgiveness in that in the Lord's Prayer, he says this, verse 14, Matthew 6, he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Lastly, what I want to pull out of this is forgiveness is not a choice. It's not optional. It's the way of the believer. It's the invitation of Jesus to live 
by his way, by, by mercy. I think it's Matthew 7, 2 that says, the measure with which you judge, you will be judged. The way with which you judge, you will be judged. You see, I feel like somewhere along the way, it's like we've, we've lost sometimes this ability to, to, to be like Jesus and to operate in his love and his mercy and his kindness. And I don't know about anyone else, but even in kind of this political climate where we have disagreements with one another, where one person might feel one thing and we're, we're just spewing hate and meanness and it's just ugly. And Jesus is inviting us into the higher way of loving those who we disagree with, of extending forgiveness to those who hurt us. If I have not love, I'm a clashing symbol. <laughs> just noise. And so this is the invitation for us. And it's not optional if we want to receive the forgiveness of heaven, the forgiveness of our Father. I hope this is sobering. And I mean, the reality is, to the world, forgiveness, it seems foolish. To the world, it's like, how dare you? This person deserves justice. This person deserves to pay for what they've done. We can't just let them off the hook. We have to judge them. We have to be the judge, like that unmerciful servant. We need to be the judge. We need to step into judgment. They need to pay. But the very Christian philosophy of forgiveness is that there is a judge. It's just not you. That it predicates on the fact that the one true judge will judge the entire world one day. And one day everyone will stand before him and be accountable for what they've done. And for those of us who believe, it'll be a glorious day. Be a beautiful day. But make no mistake, all will come before the one true judge. So I want to take a moment and I want to just kind of expound on what forgiveness is, but also what forgiveness isn't. You know, forgiveness is not denial. It's not just telling ourselves, trying to, trying to push it away, and yeah, I forgive, I forgive them, I forgive them, it's fine, Jesus. Meanwhile, we're walking around triggered, we're walking around angry, we're walking around with a knife in our back. We're saying, it's fine, I forgave them, I forgave them. But we never really allow it to go deep and to transform us. Forgiveness is not repression, it's not just pushing the pain down. It's not just... I'm just going to move on. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to take it on the chin and just, okay, we're good. We're good. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to talk about it. I've moved on. But meanwhile, you know, it's like, have you? Have we though? Have we truly moved on? How's your heart when you see that person who wronged you? What are, you, what are your thoughts like when you see that person who really, really hurt you? You know, forgiveness, it's withholding forgiveness. It's, it's like pouring a glass of poison, I've heard it said, for somebody else, but then choosing to drink it yourself. Forgiveness is not just simply letting somebody off the hook. Remember that one true judge? Forgiveness is saying, listen, I'm not the judge. I release you, you owe me nothing but I give you into the hands of the one good, faithful, true, and righteous judge, Jesus, and God our Father in heaven. And forgiveness is not simply forgetting. 
and just letting things be okay and never setting up any boundaries and letting that person walk all over us. Forgiveness is not being a doormat. In fact, sometimes the best thing we can do after forgiving somebody is setting up boundaries for them in which they earn trust again. It's not allowing them to kick us over and over and over and over again. Sometimes saying, hey, I forgive you. I totally release you. But maybe we don't have to be friends. Maybe you can have this boundary. And I really do. And you mean it in your heart. I really do forgive and love you. Right? So this is it. This is the invitation. And I believe in my heart that when the Lord spoke on Tuesday morning that there's maybe some in here that the Lord is calling to forgiveness. Calling to that higher way of saying, God, I recognize that what this person did or what I did was, was really wrong. But I choose to release them into your care today. I choose to give them into your capable hands. I choose to allow you to do what you're really good at, which is be the judge of humanity. And I choose to step into your higher way of mercy. And Jesus really modeled this for, the, modeled this for us to the end, didn't he? I love that in like his weakest moment hanging on a cross, after being ridiculed, after being beaten, after being whipped, after being mocked, by the very people he came to save. He's hanging there on a cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Make no mistake, we have been called to that kind of forgiveness. Radical forgiveness. Forgiveness that doesn't make sense. Forgiveness that is only possible through the life of Christ inside of you. To allow Jesus Christ to change you so much from the inside out that he actually gives you the power to forgive. And when you look at your accuser, when you look at the person who's done you wrong, when you look at that person, you say, I forgive you. You know not what you do. This is the invitation for each and every one of us. And I love that for Jesus, that Jesus actually chose to keep his scars when he came back to life. That for Jesus, he would forever be known, as the book of Revelation says, as the lamb who was slain. He was bruised and beaten. And for Jesus, it's not a piece of shame. I'm sure partially he kept the slaves to show his disciples, look, see, feel, touch, know. Look what I did for you. It's me, it's Jesus. But I also, for Jesus, he's not ashamed of this part of his story. In fact, for him, it's like, look what I did for you. Look at how much I love for you. And when we look at the scars on our body, we say, look at what Jesus did for me. I forgave this person who wounded me through Christ, through his supernatural power. I forgave this person who wronged me through the supernatural power of Christ. And we know, don't we? We know when we're, we're in unforgiveness. It's like everything about that person is driving us crazy. We're irrational. It's like blood in the water and we're a shark, right? It's just like you look at that person and you're like, like everything, right? And you're just, you're angry, you're triggered, you're bitter. Withholding forgiveness, it's like choosing to live in a prison cell. Jesus gave you a key and it's like 
going to the prison, opening the door, stepping inside, closing the door behind you and locking yourself in there. Meanwhile, you're holding the key the whole time. And you're choosing to drink that poison. And you're setting up home. You're setting up your bed. And you're like, I'm going to live here. But when we don't deal with the condition of our hearts, when we withhold forgiveness, our Father withholds forgiveness from us. And we become bitter. That pain just moves elsewhere. Sometimes it literally affects us bodily. Withholding forgiveness will absolutely ruin your life. And God is inviting each and every one of us into the higher way of forgiving of loving our enemies, of forgiving those who've hurt us. It's radical. <laughs> it's radical, radical, radical. You just, you need look no further. I was, I was doing some research on forgiveness and I went to the Rwandan genocide. And I looked up stories of forgiveness, Rwandan genocide, because I'd heard some growing up. And I was reading story after story after story of these, again, to the world, almost offensive stories of radical God-given forgiveness. Where these, this one lady who's, who this man had came and, and murdered her son and cut off her hand. And the Rwandan government, they couldn't deal with all the people in prison because the genocide was so huge and the, mur- the list of murderers was so huge, they began to release these murderers back to go to their hometowns after some time. And these, these men would come back into the villages and they would, some of them, be repenting and coming and asking for forgiveness. But deep down, I mean, I, I was reading one story of this man who was basically trying to avoid this lady whose hand she cut off and whose kid she killed. And there's just this beautiful story after story after story of these women coming and embracing and forgiving through the love of Jesus Christ these men who had done them such a wrong. And this is God-given forgiveness. And again, this isn't saying it's okay what they did, but it's saying I'm not going to choose to live in the prison and be the judge. I'm going to allow God to be the judge. Recently, I've had the joy and privilege of leading a couple young men who I disciple through prayers of forgiveness, and and just seeing the transformation take place in their lives has been really cool. One of them, um, something, something took place with one of his friends, something very, very tragic. And when he heard about it, when his friend confessed to him the wrong that had been done to her, he just took on all this, this bitterness towards this person who had done this wrong. And he was experiencing rage, fits of rage. He would wake up in the middle of the night in like sweating from a nightmare, enraged, and was struggling to sleep because of it. And we were over here in the chapel, and I just began to say to him, hey, have you forgiven those people? Have you forgiven that person that did it? Have you released and forgiven yourself that you couldn't be there? because he was holding himself to the standard of, I couldn't be there, I couldn't save her, I couldn't help her. And so I let him, just began to lead him through prayers of forgiveness, forgiving the person who'd done this wrong, forgiving himself, even though realistically he couldn't have been there. But nonetheless, releasing and forgiving himself for any bitterness and judgment he held towards himself. And you could just see it like falling off of him as we began to pray. 
And as he began to pray and release, and then I just had him release the Lord from any judgments he made against God. We know God's perfect. He doesn't make mistakes, but sometimes we place judgments on him, and we need to repent of those judgments and release God from our judgments. So we just did that. And he told me that since, this has been months, that since that moment, it's like he hasn't had a single moment of rage, of terrors, of nightmares in the night. It's like everything just melted away inside of him. There's another young man I was praying with. He was over at my house visiting. So it was a few weeks ago, actually. And he, it was like 11.30 at night. And he's like, do you want to go like hang out and sit on the back porch and talk? And listen, I'm 31 years old now. I have three children. And I was like, bro, no, I want to go to bed. That is literally the only place I wanted. I wanted to be in bed an hour ago. It was one of those moments where the flesh was very, very weak, but the spirit had to be willing. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, Jesus, I'm digging deep. I'm like, okay, let's go. So we go on the back porch. We're talking for a bit. And I've been talking with him for a while now. And I begin to ask him, I said, hey, have you forgiven yet? Have you forgiven yourself? Have you forgiven these people? He's like, no, I haven't. I don't know how I can, especially with himself. He's like, I don't know how I can forgive myself for what I did. And as I'm sitting there and I'm just like, Jesus, I want to be in bed, but what are you doing? I'm just digging deep in the Lord. And I just feel the Lord tenderly whisper in my ear. He just said, it's time. And I remember I looked at him and I just said to him, I said, it's time. It's time. And I went over and I sat beside him and I put my arms around him and I began to pray. And he just wept for 30 minutes, snotting and weeping. And just led him through prayers where he forgave. He forgave others for any wrong he felt they'd done towards him. But most importantly, he just began to forgive himself for the wrong that he'd done. And just leading him for 30 minutes through these prayers and through really getting to the core of how that, those things made him feel. And how he, what's really going on in his heart. And then this person really also judged the Lord out of this. And so we were just repenting for the way that he judged the Lord. And releasing the Lord from his judgments. And this person before this moment was on depression medication. They were experiencing insomnia in the night. They were having suicidal thoughts to the point where they were actually very, very close to attempting it. And from that moment on, it's like they've been able to sleep through the night. The suicidal thoughts are gone. The depression, he's coming off the medication. It's like everything changed just from prayers of forgiveness. So why would we live and stay in the prison when God has freedom for us? Yeah, you can clap for that if you want. (laughs) This is the invitation. This is the radical, transformative power of forgiveness that God has for us. And I just feel this challenge from the Lord, like why drink that poison any longer? Why why withhold forgiveness any longer? And maybe there's some of you in this room who are withholding forgiveness from yourself, who aren't going to the Lord and taking care of business and even receiving his forgiveness for you. I mean, he's already done it, but you haven't taken a moment and listened and repented. I remember when I was a young man and I really loved the Lord, I would go to the youth conferences up in Toronto where Duncan would be preaching way back in the day. 
and my life was transformed. I loved Jesus, but I would still struggle with sin from time to time. And one of those sins was looking at things I shouldn't on the internet. And I remember this one moment, actually multiple moments, where I would go to the Lord in such shame and bitterness and sadness, and I would go in my room, I'd close the door, I'd put on worship music, and I would time and time again fall before the Lord and just begin to weep. And I would just say, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, God, I'm so sorry. And time and time again, you know what the Lord would say over me? He would come, he would embrace me, he would pick me up on the, when I was literally laying on the floor crying before him, and he would say, Aaron, you have such a pure heart. And I remember as a teenager, time and time again, that's what the Lord would speak over me for years. And it was like, Lord, I remember one time saying to him, how can you say that? How can you say that I'm anything but pure? The very thing for which I'm struggling with, the very sin in which I'm tangled in is the, is the definition of impurity. And he would just come and he would say, I forgive you. You have such a pure heart, son. And when we come and we listen not to the voice of the enemy, not to the voice of the accuser who wants to tell you you're not good enough, who wants to tell you you're not forgiven, how could you be forgiven? The father wants to come and say, no, 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 no. Look at how I see you. Look at how I love you. Look at how I forgive you. Look at the price that I was willing to pay for your life on that cross. And this is the invitation for every single one of us that we get to be like him and give forgiveness to the world around us. And we get to extend forgiveness to ourselves, not because we deserve it, but because we must. The measure with which we have received, we get to pour out. So I wanna, I wanna ask you that question, is there anyone in your life that you're harboring, that you're withholding forgiveness from. Maybe it's your kids. I know for me, I, as a dad, I, I knew that I was going to have to repent to my kid because of my wrongdoing, because times where I, I lose my temper a little, I raise my voice, I'm feeling frustrated, and so I go and I repent to my kids. But I never expected when I was young that I would need to forgive my children at such an early age. And there's times, I have, my oldest is four and three quarters. And there's times, man, your wife and your kids just know how to push your buttons like nobody else, right? Am I right? Am I right? Okay, I'm right. Don't worry. You don't got to tell me. And my kids are just pushing my buttons. I'm feeling all kinds of frustrated and triggered. And all of a sudden, I'm like, light bulb, wait a second. I'm... I'm withholding forgiveness from my son, from my daughter. And I have to like take a moment. I realize I'm at this point of boiling where it's just like the smallest thing will push me over the edge. And I'm like, hold a second. That is not normal. That is not how I'm supposed to live. That's not meant to be my day to day. And so I have to take a moment and say, okay, Jude, I forgive you. You owe me nothing. <laughs> Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your, your coworkers or your boss or your parents or whatever it is. Are we withholding forgiveness from anybody in our lives? I just feel this like challenge from the Lord. Like I almost hear him saying, allow me to transform you from the inside out. Where you live by my ways. Where you do what I do. Where you hear what I say. 
to be like him. This is the invitation for us this morning. I would would love to invite us just to stand in this moment. I want us just to take a moment, if you will, for the next couple minutes and just ask the Lord, Lord, would you reveal to me, is there anyone that I'm withholding forgiveness from right now in this place? Just take a moment, close your eyes and ask him that, Lord, is there anyone I'm withholding forgiveness from? Is there anyone I need to forgive right now in this place? Just take a moment and allow him to illuminate to you. Maybe it's more than one. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe God's bringing up a distant memory of somebody who hurt you. Lord, would you give us the strength to forgive today? And in this place, just be honest with the Lord. This is like the beautiful invitation to be vulnerable before the Lord. I love getting to come be like so intimate, so close with the Father in our pain. Just saying, Lord, here I am. And just tell him this person so-and-so, say their name to the Lord, did this. And just tell, tell the Lord all the things that happened, all the ways it made you feel. God, it made me feel less than. It made me feel unworthy. It made me feel like I wasn't good enough. It made me feel worthless. It made me feel like the black sheep. And now just take a moment and look at, look in with the eyes of your heart on that person or people who did those wrongs and just say, say their names. I forgive you. So-and-so, I forgive you. You owe me nothing. I release you to the one and true judge, the good and faithful judge. I choose no longer to be the one in the judgment seat over you. I choose to live in the way of mercy that God has called me to. And I release you to his care, the one true judge. Now just let's just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, for any way I participated, would you just forgive me? Or for any way that I judged you wrongfully, Lord, I accused you. I just repent in this moment and I release you from my judgments.
just hear that, that psalm of David right after committing adultery with Bathsheba. And he says, cleanse me with hyssop. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. God, we just repent. And now just say, God, would you just fill these places of my heart, of my life? Would you speak to me? Would you say those beautiful words you want to say over me regarding this thing? God, we step out of the grave, out of the prison cell, into the light this morning. And we receive your forgiveness as we forgive. God, as we step in the place of mercy, we receive your forgiveness knowing that you'll no longer withhold your forgiveness from us as we be like you and we extend your mercy and forgiveness to those around us, to those who are undeserving, just like us. Before we close, I... I'd love just to ask our ministry team to come forward. And I want to make a further invitation. If there's, if there's anyone in this room who you're here this morning and you're like, I know this was for me. And I'm still kind of wrestling with this. Sometimes um, my father-in-law, Duncan, has, has done a wonderful job of this. Sometimes it's just helpful to have somebody to pray with you. To lead you through these prayers when you're coming up against a wall and you just need a little help. And if you need help, if you need prayer this morning, we have a team that would love to pray with you. We have a team of pastors and ministry team. And, or if it's something else entirely, if you're here this morning and you need prayer for something else, whether that's a physical healing in your body, whether that's breakthrough in finances or your home, we would love to pray with you. But I want to charge you that this is the way. I feel like the Mandalorian there. This is the way <laughs> for those who watch that. But this is the way, this is the calling for us as believers to be in the higher way of God's mercy and extending that love and forgiveness to the world around us. So go and be Jesus to the world around us, to the world around you. Thank you, church family.